All right. I'm having a ball. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Straight up, we, we've been recording for an hour and 20 minutes. Remember earlier how I said, like, I don't think I'm going to cut very much out. I'm going to have to cut out a lot now. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take it from, uh, I'm just going to, like, cut out that section and just move it to the very end of the track okay. or the project or whatever. And then I'm just going to take all of, like, the tangents that we have about, like, Sandy Shaw or about Kate Bush, and they'll just become a bonus episode. Okay. Because <laughs> it's all I'm good like, stuff, and I love, like, I... what we're talking about. And I'm just like, there's no way this is going to be listenable. Yeah, two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so, I'm okay. I'm glad it's not, like, all, like, unusable, though. That'd be, that would be. I'm famous for tangents, especially when I'm into <laughs> something. So I was trying to stay on it, and I... I had to do a lot of self-editing there. I, that was me self-editing. Me being like, <laughs> don't bring this up. <laughs> don't go on to another thing. No, um, for real. I Like, when you started talking about Jer- Derek Jarman, I was like, oh, I know so much Suede stuff about Derek Jarman. Oh, I, like, did he got do videos for Suede too? Derek Jarman didn't do videos for Suede. He would have been pretty dang old at the time. Yeah. But or he was, he, I know he passed away when he was like 50 or something. So he, he might have just been Ill. Well, Yeah. I should have said he was pretty near the end of his life yeah, at there the you time. Yeah, um, But what he did do is he influenced, uh, like, very heavily the guy that did their, like, first major concert film oh, and whatever gotcha. called Love and Poison. And then uh, Suede put on a benefit concert mm-hmm. for Derek Jarman oh. uh, and his, like, AIDS recovery and so Derek Jarman came and visited them, and they got like pictures and whatever. And that's so uh, cute. Yeah. yeah, that's very nice. I like. I didn't know that. I like Suede. I did, you know, just like as a passing fan, but mm-hmm. I haven't. Maybe that's my next thing. I need to become unhealthily obsessed with. Listen, <laughs> I half of. All right, maybe not half of my goal. A third of my goal with this podcast is to turn all of the Smiths disciples into Suede disciples into as disciples. well. Yeah. Move them over. That's amazing. No, because yeah. they definitely, they are, they are, uh, they pick up where someone else, uh, leaves off. I feel like when I get into the early nineties, I'm, I mean, I'm wearing my whole shirt, but mm-hmm. I am like, I get into, uh, women screaming becomes my favorite genre by the time we move into the nineties. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just, I haven't, uh, delved into Britpop as much. Like, obviously I know, uh, Oasis songs, I know Blur songs, but maybe that's, mm-hmm. maybe that's where I need to move into next. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I would say Suede is definitely, like, my favorite because they're also not, like, the very sort of lat, laddish, yeah, like, Britpop. Right. Like, we're just drinking beer and assaulting women all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, totally. They're a lot more, <laughs> they're a lot more, like, effeminate. And Brett Anderson, Bernard Butler definitely had the whole Morrissey Marr thing going. Totally. And, like, Brett is just very, very, uh, like, hey, listen, I... I write from the perspective of, like, just whatever I feel like I need to write from. I think he said in an interview once, like, uh, I view myself as a bisexual man who's never had a homosexual experience. I've seen that. And it it gets taken, like, terribly out of context where they're like, Brett Anderson lying about his sexuality. Yeah. But I get really, what he means. Yeah, he's, he's saying, like, no, when, when I write songs, like, I'm, like, I'm trying to just... I'm not coming at it from a straight man's point of view. Fair enough. He's coming. Um, yeah, it could be about anybody, and anybody could be singing it. I respect. Exactly. Anyway, all right, all right. I love, I love suede. I love the Smiths. All right, let let's actually talk about our next section of the show. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. And I really related to that too. Actually, I think like 
the like visual representation of the Smiths that I think best like encapsulated yes that's what I feel about them there's like this short film that I saw sort of recently it must be like maybe eight years old or something um I think it was called Blood Below the Skin and there's this scene of like it's a very weird movie but like there are these girls that are like school girls being like made fun of by this like asshole boy sorry I said I wasn't gonna curse like a boy who's like the <laughs> <laughs> so, like by like, I, I, I think we can get away with one <laughs> asshole <laughs> and so and obviously like a situation that I had been in in school, like, just being treated like I was, like, lesser than by other people. And then they all, like, get together in a group. First of all, they all hiss at him, which I was like, that's beautiful. And then they all start singing this, like, I wasn't ready for this. I didn't know about this before I saw it. Like, an acapella version of Big Mouth Strikes Again. And I, like, got chills. (laughs) I was like, that's what, that's, that was me. Like, like, except I wouldn't get to sing it out loud in, like, a very arranged, like, beautiful scene where everybody else was silent and the hallway was empty. It was just me and headphones. Heard of a little uh, program called Tumblr because yeah. I was in the trenches like uh, when I was a teenager, and they no, were doing straight up. they were doing scholarly work <laughs> to the point where I remember like the beefs. I remember there was this one photographer I won't name names, but he took very pic- famous pictures. Of I know scenes. exactly who. <laughs> I will not. I will not describe. I and will not would, say that I won't name names. It's Paul Slattery. It's Paul Slattery, and he took and he put out a great book of photos. You know, Paul. Hello. You know, God bless you. But like, yeah, <laughs> you are actually a great photographer. You're an icon. He took lots of great pictures of lots of great people. Um, he put out a lovely book, and those are some of my favorite pictures of the Smiths that he, they t- oh, he yeah. took in like May '83, I think it was, at the Manchester train station, which was eventually turned into G Max, which they played at and yada yada like three years later but Mm -hmm. um those are great pictures but yeah he was coming for teenage heads on tumblr heads will roll baby he said yeah (laughs) (laughs) you can't post your pictures because i said so i would post them on instagram and he didn't get me but maybe he didn't have his spies there i don't know yeah i don't know um (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) yeah no i i was definitely as well I, I i won't say i was doing um i wouldn't say i was doing scholarly work i would say i was making um, dumb photo edits of Morrissey holding like his own head where his uh, where his boob would be. Oh, um, very real. You know what? Yeah. I, and I respect that work. Lots of people do that too. You know. <laughs> How do you feel about uh, the Sandy Shaw songs? I go back and forth. Um, <laughs> so I I don't like Hand in Glove very much, but I think okay. the Sandy Shaw acoustic rendition of Gene is the best version of Gene. Right. I, I like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's totally fair. I like all of them. I think uh, Hand and Glove had to grow on me. I love the performances she did with them. She just looks like she's having the time of her life. I was trying to think of, like, um, a comparison to make to, like, what if this happened now? Because it's hard to, like, explain this happening. I don't know if you know the band um, Shame. They're kind of like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and so they... Mel B of the Spice Girls, fa- very famously Mel B, uh, she's a fan of theirs, and she did, like, a live stream thing with them. Where they're, they're, like, buddies, apparently. I was like, this is, like, the equivalent of if Mel B decided to join Shame for five minutes. I was like, this is kind of what it is. <laughs> the more I think about that, the more I like that comparison. Because it's, like, this... Um, I mean, not to, like, uh, like, pigeonhole female singers like this, but it's a very... It's a certain type of pop strata that she existed Sandy Shaw existed in I mean she was like a a contemporary of like Marianne Faithful or like Dusty Springfield or someone like that who is a female singer who yeah I mean kind of existed in this not uh, the girl groups but because that was a much more American thing but just like sort of the British equivalent of that was like this solo female singer 
so that's not like the Spice Girls, but it's just like this female singer who kind of wasn't really making music anymore. And they said, we are such a fan of you that we would like to have you with us. I know this isn't the topic of the show, but anyway, she looks like she's having a ball out there and she becomes like a very uh, like interesting figure in the Smith story. So I'm like fascinated by her. She's okay by me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she seems I, like a, she seems like a fun lady. <laughs> I, yeah. I like the, I like the versions. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I remember like reading some interviews with her about like some of uh, her early songs, and she's like, um, there were some songs that I loved doing, and some songs that I hated. Right. Like I love the Sandy Shaw song "Girl Don't Come." Yeah, it's a good but one. But then also there's. I think it's the one she did for Eurovision, Puppet on a String. Right. And she's like, I hate that. It's the most misogynistic yeah, song I've it's not ever great. done in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's also, like, totally game for it. She wasn't, like, um, like just, she's she was, like, clearly such a character. And I think, um, like, it's not like she just sits there and she's like, yeah, I was really grateful to have the opportunity. She has opinions on what Morrissey was doing, what Johnny yeah. was doing. She's like, now let me tell you guys. <laughs> He's ready to get I, in front of the camera and talk about it. It's so funny. I, I I love that at some point she's like, oh, Morrissey is insufferable. Yeah. She's <laughs> but like, she's also like, Morrissey was a good friend. Yeah, no, no, no. Eventually they grow apart. I know that they were still friends while he was making Viva Hate because she came to sessions and apparently they had like a little cry moment together, which is very sweet. Just yeah. He was and so then scared. also, yeah. Yeah. And then also, um, please help the cause against loneliness. A great one. Right. And yeah. she wrote for the album. I think they were singles that didn't end up on the album, but she wrote songs about uh, Morrissey and Johnny, which are, so, which are mm-hmm. kind of bops, by the way. Everyone should go stream. I'm probably responsible for all the streams on Go Johnny Go by Sandy by <laughs> Sandy Shaw. It's a great song. She was robbed. She was robbed of chart success. It's a great one. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, like everybody remembers Morrissey as the very, very literate one. Johnny is always so like incredibly to the point and succinct, mm-hmm. but very, very like ah, uh, he speaks so pretty. I guess. Yeah. There is actually, I was rereading Mazapedia and I wrote this down because I feel like people are so quick to, I feel like when we see a very like, um, I don't know, like a very singular figure in pop culture like Morrissey, we are so quick to say their other half is the complete opposite. And I feel like that's a total mistake because Johnny, there's this whole thing that he writes and he's he's like talking about pre-Smiths, um, Simon Goddard is, and it's like at the end of 1981, he says, um, hold on. He's like, uh, he talks about Johnny being like, a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's bouncing from this place to this place, you know, surrounded by local musicians and DJs, a charismatic young man with a gift of the gab, desperate to prove himself. But he is also emotionally volatile, intensely frustrated, and highly eccentric, an eccentricity that sometimes gets lost in the conventional histories of the Smiths, which too easily pigeonhole Marr as the outgoing boy about town to Morrissey's suicidal back bedroom hermit. I was like, yeah, say Johnny is weird. Johnny is also weird. <laughs> like, like, you're right. I think I do think just how like the fact that he liked this weird music that no one else liked. Imagine like the cool like guy that you hang around with at like gigs and like who DJs sometimes. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I like all this this weird music from like 60 now, 60 years ago. But then it was like 20 years ago that like your mom listens to. And I really Andy Rourke has said, you know, a year ago we were listening to like all the factory bands and then he didn't see Johnny for a year. And then Johnny came back to kind of get him in the Smiths. And he was like so I'm, I'm vegetarian now a b mm-hmm. i'm really into the drifters i'm really into doo-wop how do you feel about that and he was like 
what? <laughs> Hello? And then he, eventually he kind of, he was like, okay, I see what you're doing. I see it from the angle that you're kind of into it. And But he's like, yeah, the Shangri-Las are my whole life now. And Johnny was like checking, not Johnny, Andy was like checking the clock. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so yeah. like, I think, I think, yes, he writes beautifully and he's very succinct. And he ha- he has a turn of phrase that I think is not, that like grace isn't awarded to him all the time. So that was my little, my little Johnny defense moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, yeah, and like the, uh, I think it's the cover of the first Oasis single, um, is the Black Rickenbacker that Johnny Marr yeah. uses. It's Johnny Marr's guitar. And uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I, all right, I love, I love me some Britpop. It's, okay. Like, Suede are probably tied with the Smiths as my favorite band. That's fair. And Bernard Butler, the uh, the original guitarist for Suede mm-hmm. and all that good stuff and whatever, is just a Smiths obsessive. You can like, hear that in it. Oh yeah, totally. and like after he leaves Suede and whatever, Johnny is just like, hey, he invites him over to his house and is just like, hey, listen, I've had the same thing happen, and That's he's sweet. just like, <laughs> he just comes over, uh, Bernard Butler, and Johnny's like, let's play some songs together. Which, if you've read Johnny Marr's autobiography, is the same thing Paul McCartney does with him. Yeah, and he had uh, a, I think it was while he was still in the Smiths, but K- Kirsty McCall was working mm-hmm. with Keith Richards, and he was like, she was like, calling and was like, oh man. She gets on the phone, she's like, Johnny, I have someone who wants to talk to you, knowing, probably with like <laughs> the look on her face when she was ready to drop this news with him. Mm-hmm. I wish I had seen it, knowing that he wants to be. There was another incident that I think was in Mazapedia, he uh, was in an interview that wasn't in Songs That Save Your Life. But uh, Keith Richards was talking to him while after the Smiths broke up. And he was like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And he was like, do you want me to lie to you? And he was like, no. And Keith Richards was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Johnny's like, you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so sweet. And like, he had broken up like this. He just left this huge band. But he was like, I wanted to be you when I grew up. And Keith Richards was like, was like very, apparently very kind to him. And was like, you don't need to be me. You're you. And you're doing great. And I was like, Mm -hmm. aw, my guys. (laughs) I love it. It's very sweet. Yeah. Oh, but getting back to uh, yeah, sorry, we keep doing yeah, this. No, 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 no. On like, I I don't mind tangents because my Great. mind thinks exactly like that. Um, right. So, uh, like every every song that they would play, um, Johnny Marr would just be like, "Do you know what guitar I'm using?" And Bernard Butler would just say like. Oh yeah, I know exactly what guitar you're using. You use it on this record, this record, this exactly. record, and you appeared on top of the pops with it for this song. Right. And it's like, I love this sort of obsessive, totally. like cataloging. Yeah. No. 100. percent And yeah, totally. I would love my dream interview. Actually, is if I ever got to talk to Johnny, like that would be a total freak out moment for me. Um, oh, and it's, yeah. pl- it's plausible. Cause I mean, I've talked to people from the same kind of era or from the punk era and it's been like me freaking out ahead of time. Um, <laughs> but I would love, and he would do this by the way. Cause I know he, he isn't completely comfortable. Just like he doesn't love sitting down and doing interviews where he answers the same questions over and over again. I would mm-hmm. love to do a Vogue type video where I go through all the outfits he's worn. He would love to do this by the way. He would oh, yeah. sign on immediately. And I would like, I would love to go through some of those electronic outfits where he was clearly trying <laughs> <laughs> to be so anti-Smiths that he looked at I would because I want to know the thinking I think he'd defend them and I want to know how he would defend them and mm-hmm. I would love to go the the 80 circa 84 look where he does the beehive and then like the diamond necklace and the turtleneck I was like this yeah. was a visionary moment I want you to understand absolutely and <laughs> it's so great and just him always um he loved wearing makeup and he like wasn't he wasn't like it's not a gimmick you know it's not like to he's like i just want to be one of the ronettes mm-hmm. and i said i get that because i too want to be honey specter <laughs> rest in peace um 
Yeah, I think another, obviously, I don't want to plan out your schedule for you, but I feel like mm-hmm. it's a really, and obviously, I don't want to take up any that much more time, but like, just me <laughs> rambling. But I feel like the Smiths and music videos are such an interesting conversation, too, because obviously, we're peak MTV when this is mm-hmm. all happening, or maybe not when this Charming Man comes out, but event, by the middle of the Smiths, we are peak MTV. And yeah. they are very famously anti video, but anytime they make a concerted effort or they are like tricked into making a music video, <laughs> it's always so great. Like, I mm-hmm. think, and I feel like I think Johnny somewhere has admitted that since he's like, they're great visual documents. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting is when they were like, you have to make a video for Songs Off the Queen is Dead, they got Derek Jarman, who yeah. is. Uh, very famous, um, or maybe not very famous, maybe it's just because I'm into like weird, like culty kind of stuff, but he is an English filmmaker who was super experimental. He was openly gay, like mid-AIDS crisis, and he eventually um, had AIDS and passed away. And his yeah. like last film was just like a blue screen because his vision from whatever uh, illness he had at the time made him only see blue for a long time and everything was blue shaded. Mm-hmm. So like that was like the his final like living testament to his life was like this thing with all of his friends Tilda Swinton he worked with a bunch throughout his career like during the beginning of her career um he was she was like his muse but she did dialogue in this movie and it's just like a blue screen the whole thing he was super experimental and was very open about like his sexuality and his filmmaking which is why he never became he stayed a cult figure you know unfortunately um because mainstream (laughs) mainstream moviegoers weren't necessarily going to see blue um but anyway they said uh, and actually that like marriage of Derek Jarman and the Smiths makes perfect sense, you know, looking back, but, um, he made videos like a, a short film with the Smiths soundtracking it, and apparently the Smiths had nothing to do with it. Morrissey later said, oh, we never met Derek Jarman. But then in autobiography, he's like, um, Derek Jarman came backstage at GMAX to say hi before, I guess, before he made the video. And Johnny apparently threw up in front of him. He said hi and then turned and threw up. And Morrissey just said, it was very funny. And then that's the end of the incident. So, yeah. he's, so he's lying when he says he never met him because apparently he did. Um, and Johnny got sick. But um yeah, so, but he made it without their involvement. And it's truly just, like, a short film with the Smiths over it. But they are in such in, like, play with each other. And apparently they handed that in to be like, this is the video. And, like, you know, it's it's experimental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great artistic document, and I love it. And I would, like, write, like, a like the thing I wrote on my sub I would write a whole thing about just that. Because it's such a, it's so great. And I feel like I revisited it re- kind of recently when the Queen actually died. Um, it's just, like, a... And he made a bunch of movies that were, like, anti-monarchy, too. Um, mm-hmm. He was fascinating. He's he was like a fascinating person, but um, I feel like they were like, okay, this is our version of a video, and like they can't show it on TV first of all because there's like brief nudity in it, and yeah. there's like a bunch of you know references to sexual kind of sexuality or homosexuality, and so they were like, great, we can't trust you to make videos anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's I love, a wrap. <laughs> I love the ask music video as and well. He made that, that one too. Yeah. Yeah that they were just like this is too weird and it's like so much more it's so sweet <laughs> yeah it's so much more like no- normal quote unquote yeah. uh than all of the queen is dead videos right um it's, yeah and they're just like no it's too weird like and so they're just like all right this is our this is our attempt to fix it and they just like superimpose morrissey's face over some of the shots <laughs> yeah right they did that with i know they cut it up to make a video for panic because panic was part of the queen is dead short film was one of the songs in it and mm-hmm. um they put just put again they just put an overlay of the band over the video and apparently that was like morrissey's favorite visual he was like it's the only video i've ever liked ever is the one with the band over this the panic 
like video that Jarman made, and it's good. But mm-hmm. I was, but they were like, we have to get the band in there somewhere to be able to show this. Um, I know they all famously hated the video that they made for the boy with the thorn in his side. Johnny was like, we all got really drunk before we did it, and I don't think you can tell that in the video. And it's a beautiful video because I think part of it is because they actually show all the band members. It's not just them focusing on Morrissey, and they yeah. all look. It's all. It's just like a beautifully shot, lit beautiful thing and so i think that's like and it's like obviously a beautiful song so i just i I like that one a lot too but like Mm -hmm. this sort of isolated thing we're like weird i'm also a really big kate bush fan and i wrote what when running up that hill got really big i Mm -hmm. said literally one of my editors reached out to me and was like you i need you to tackle something for this (laughs) so we can get the clicks now because now is go time and he was like so he was like i think he expected me to pick like 10 songs to get into kate bush or something i wrote an entire uh oral history um, um, her discography in the order I think people should tackle it like I, and I wrote it in less than 48 hours my body was like this is what you were meant to write Let, just spit it out now um, mm-hmm. and anyway but um, oh right uh, doing my, during my research I'm like Wuthering Heights was a number one hit in the UK that's a weird yeah. song how was that it's a number a one hit? It's a very weird song. <laughs> it, yeah, and it was like the first, because it's like, that's like known because she was the first uh, woman who wrote her own song to get a number one hit in the UK. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's, how, how was that a hit? I'm, I know it did well over here too, but like, I'm like, that's crazy. So like the fact that, and I just th- thought that all those weird punk records that people, unless you were like in the scene, like, and you or you were young somewhere else, like who mm-hmm. was getting this? Who were, who were buying these things? <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's so funny. Um, no, cause like the, the first several times that I, I was like, you know what? I love Babushka. Yeah. I should get into more Kate Kate Bush. I tried listening to Wuthering Heights and I couldn't make it past the first like minute and 25 seconds multiple times. And then like years later, yeah. uh, probably two years ago, I was like, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw it on while I'm getting ready. And f- still for the first minute and 25 seconds, I was like, this is just kind of weird and super high pitched and then after that I was like wait no this is a masterpiece like I've never heard anything quite this good oh my gosh the dreaming is like I would probably put it in my top 10 albums of all time and of course that's like her like total freak out you want to talk about like violent the meeting of violence and femininity is Kate Bush for me like that was a lot of what I wrote about Um, my friend has got really into running up that hill of course and then she was like oh where should I go next and I said well here's all the stuff and she was like she texted me and she's like sometimes this this lady she's really just screaming huh yeah (laughs) and I was like that's what's great about it (laughs) is it the dreaming the song like the song itself the one where she has like this she puts on like a really thick like Australian accent. She does. You know, yeah. we could have conversations about that, about how she was very much a theater kid and she was like, I can be anybody, you know, talking about like putting the faces on and sometimes mm-hmm. it was like a little sketchy. <laughs> like, but she was singing about like the plight of the indigenous people in Australia. And yeah, yeah. she does, a, she sings like she's a donkey on the closer on that one, Get Out of My House. It's a banger. Inspired by The Shining, and it sounds like it could be in The Shining. Everybody, please go listen to Kate Bush. Kate Bush is the dreaming because it's the greatest album of all time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh um, man. Anyway, yeah. But um, what were we talking? Oh, right. Uh, this charming man. <laughs> yeah, this charming man. The aftermath of Top the, of the Pops. The following year. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have a favorite Smiths interview? I'm gonna keep it rolling. <laughs> there are a lot of great ones. They were great at being interviewed. All right. Uh, first, my first my joke answer is yeah. um, I love the interview that they do for I can't remember which station, but it's a Spanish uh, it's a Spanish oh. station, <laughs> and it's 
more like the interviewer asks Morrissey like who Johnny Marr is to him um <gasps> you... and Morrissey Morrissey is just like he's going on and on about like what Johnny means to him this and like iconic. the the like <laughs> I uh, said the I word iconic <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about like oh Johnny just you know he came and awakened me and I was doing just nothing before and I would have simply withered away and then the interviewer asks Johnny Marr <laughs> like who is Morrissey to you and Morris and Johnny Marr just goes like long pause he's, well, he's a just a friend really <laughs> can i share like my i don't have any proof for this but other people have kind of agreed with me when i've asked like other smiths fans when i've asked them about that i'm like does mm-hmm. it seem like they got into a fight immediately before that and they were like yeah <laughs> it feels like it feels like because i feel like i will say the day before that they were in barcelona and that uh-huh. they, they made a tv special out of that like the live performance and mm-hmm. it's probably one of my favorite Smith things on TV again. It wasn't on uh, English television, but it's just like a great show that they play. It's Meet is Murder era. It's excellent. And mm-hmm. um, they have Morris interviews he's in got between. like the giant red hat and everything. Yeah. And he does that. That's the Madrid one, which is the one they, this is the day. That's oh, the day of the Barcelona. interview. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, I think he also had the hat, but that one is a more famous performance, but I think it's called Arsenal and it's live in Barcelona. And okay. it's just like, and they actually intercut like, uh, like, uh, like film from A Taste of Honey or like oh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. Uh, the cocktail movie uh, Orpheus like they intercut it with and they make it like the t- the the uh, performance like the tone that the cover is like it's so great um, but anyway the next day they were in Madrid and that's when they did this interview and I was like something happened before those cameras turned on again I have no yeah. proof for that no one sue me like but I feel like I was like I feel like they got into a fight immediately before that and um, that's why Johnny was like it's not such a big deal to me he's just a friend and I feel mm-hmm. like Morrissey might have said something bitchy to Johnny and then Johnny yeah. was mad <laughs> What was but, your? You said that was your joke answer. Sorry, it's what my joke answer. answer? <laughs> it, well, hold on. It's my joke answer because somebody re-edited that right to uh, to oh, like mother. after Johnny says, yeah. <laughs> it's the beginning of the I know inter- it's over. It starts. Playing. Yeah, and like it's really distorted. Morrissey's face is like super <laughs> close to the camera, and it's all yellow. It's so funny. Um, oh boy, my um, my yeah. legitimately my favorite. Smith's interview is I think the one for uh uh for Charlie's bus where I was gonna say they that. go and visit. <laughs> um I, lo- I love just any interaction the Smiths have with little with kids. Children. And, yeah, and and one of the kids is like, Where are we going? And Morrissey just says, We're all, we're going, all going mad. <laughs> Someone put a, a clearer version of that online recently, so I've been watching it mm-hmm. for years, but they did. And at the beginning, and I couldn't see because, like, the VHS or whatever, they taped it off for the old one was, like, all blanked out. But on the bus, like, when they were leaving, all the Smiths are on top of the bus like this, and Johnny's, like, doing jazz hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. They are totally playing into it. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. They said, they saw Morrissey and said, you know who we need to stick him with? Children. Yeah. <laughs> This man will be great, have great chemistry with children. Sandy Shaw makes an appearance, which is yeah. obviously very staged. Oh, look, and they here's make Sandy no Shaw. <laughs> they make, yeah, exactly. Um, There's also a great moment, which, like, they don't, like, really pay attention to, but as they're walking to the place after they've arrived, Johnny Marr just walks up behind one of the kids and, like, puts with him, him in his coat. his coat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, Johnny's great with the kids. It's very sweet. Yeah. Um, and I know uh, he, and he had a, a younger brother who was like 11 or 12 then too. So I'm sure he was, and I know when he lived uh, in the house in Bowdoin or wherever he lived, uh, his like uh, landlord had like a young kid too. So he's always been good with, he was around kids more often than maybe some of the other, the other group members, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he was maybe a little bit more, more natural with them. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I was definitely going to say that. Um, 
I don't know. There are a lot of there are a lot of great ones. I my honorable mentions. They're all from like 1984. I feel like, but my honorable mention is the two weird like twin ones where Morrissey goes on a show with uh, George Michael and okay. Tony Blackburn, who I guess was like a DJ or something. And his opinions are all very different. Like you can tell he's like an older person. And uh, George Michael actually comes out. I feel like the best in the interview, which is maybe not su- surprising because everybody says he was a very charming guy. But like. Um, <laughs> I was like, you really stuck these pe- two people together. I don't know. It's just such a weird, like, little 80s uh, moment. I know Johnny became friends with George Michael later, too, which is, like, a, and he said he was a really nice guy and he loved him and whatever. But it was just so strange putting the guy from Wham, who, by the way, Morrissey talked so much smack about all the time. Yeah. And they were like, let's let's create a mess. You know, we should yeah. put on with Morrissey. And then also, um, when Morrissey went on Pop Quiz, have you seen that? Oh, it's a good one. And you know, and you could tell that they kind of geared questions towards him that he would get, because uh, one of the few bands he wouldn't talk about poorly, which there were few mm-hmm. and far between, um, was Echo and the Bunny Men. He was like, yes. I really like that song, Killing Moon. And so they gave him one of those, and then the other two were like Billy Fury, Nancy Sinatra, like he would get, he got a Phil Collins one, I was yeah. impressed by that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, t- I love, I love this one, that one bit in, uh, in Pop Quiz, I think, where... Yeah. Like he gets an answer right, and they're like, "Good job!" And he just like makes this face, like, "Yeah." There's like the- he's very surprised. <laughs> they're like Morrissey, who I'm sure will be back again, like probably sarcastically. And Mor- Morrissey went, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. "He's like, that's not true." And there's like a radio interview from a few days later. They're like, "How'd you like Pop Quiz?" Like kind of jokingly, he was like, "I hated it. It was the worst. I never want to go back again." Um, yeah, you know, it's it's over. It's a wrap. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm glad we have those little those little. Uh, treasures there are a lot of great radio interviews from around that time too that like it doesn't really count under our umbrella but yeah even like also morrissey's always said we only met john peel like once or twice and they were both at um uh, like uh like uh gas stations and he was like and he had nothing to say to me because john peel wasn't the one that discovered them it was his producer uh john john walters who saw them in london and said we need to get on this immediately to have them on the show and Mm -hmm. um but that's not true because morrissey and uh, john peel were on like a like a a, like a radio show together where they would write singles together so they hung out for at least a half anyway unreliable narrator (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Morrissey tends to editorialize his life. Um, you know what? The people on TikTok right now are very into, not that to say that I uh, identify with all of them, but like, they're like, romanticize your life. And I'm like, you know what? That They're living the right way. I need to romanticize my life more. Yeah. More or less what I mean is like Morrissey saying like, I've actually never liked uh, Mark Bolin or T-Rex because um, one time I met him and he looked at me and said my outfit is dreadful and and then he spit on me and kicked me. Yeah, he didn't spit on me. Morrissey, (laughs) you you wrote this... You wrote Paint a Vulgar Picture about Mark Bolin. Right. All through the Smiths where he goes back and forth on whether he still loves the New York Dolls. Uh Uh-huh. He's like, oh, that's over now. And then the next day he'd be like, I would die without this album. And I'm like, girl, you still like them. Just say you like them. (laughs) Yeah. No no one's judging you. (laughs) You're clearly not over it. You got a lot, you got a lot more stuff going on that (laughs) there's a lot more fish to be fried than people thinking you like the New York Dolls, which you are in fact obsessive about. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, What um, a guy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm going to become a, a QTY stan, and whenever, whenever I'm invited back on, <laughs> after <laughs> after sitting here for two hours blabbing the whole time, inevitably mm-hmm. I will be invited back on. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna talk about uh, my favorite QTY songs, and I'm excited to do that. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, 
uh, your favorite QTY songs and your favorite suede songs. I'll come prepared. Yeah, I gotta study. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll come prepared with uh, with my favorite uh, late '90s, uh, mid to late '90s uh, girl yell uh, band. Yeah, which right now might either be Bikini Kill or L Seven. I was gonna say, yeah, both great ones. I was gonna say yeah. I'm seeing La Tigre, which is uh, oh, Kathleen yeah, Hanna's other project. Great. I'm seeing them in July. I'm so excited. That that yeah. first album is like a, an excellent album, like an all timer for me. Yeah, I'm a big. I've actually been thinking about getting like a live through this tattoo. I'm such a big whole fan. Um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I'm a big PJ Harvey fan too. Um, PJ Harvey is great. She's an all timer. Uh, yeah, all those. I mean, Liz Fair. There are so many great. I, I'm like a diehard Bjork fan. I mean, she's not in yeah. the same exact kind of, but alternative mm-hmm. women, alternative women of the '90s, kind of would in all put, caps. <laughs> would you put Alanis Morissette in with that same group? I don't know. She's a little. I have great respect for her. Um, yeah. She's, she's a little. Uh, she was more a little poppier, maybe. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like it a just, little bit. So more... many more people. I feel like listen to like that jagged little pill like more than like probably all those other albums combined maybe like it's yeah. just it was such a huge monumental cultural thing i like i like alanis though you can throw her in there i won't i, I won't protest we've got a couple things in terms of mail Ooh. um yeah i know right i'm excited big and big and popular <laughs> over here for real um you just did a very very similar thing to uh to my sister <laughs> who will have like a running joke where we'll talk about like one small instance in our lives like oh you know i had a i had a really good lunch today or whatever and the other one will go like oh look at me i'm kaz i had a really good lunch today grow up <laughs> like just so be mean. super super mean super rude to each other like oh my we, god we have I was a very, doing genuine spirit fingers yeah we, we just have a very we have a very, very close relationship. We love each other very dearly. Yeah. But boy, we bully each other more than anybody else. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, I too am a hater, like a professional hater. <laughs> so I get it. It's what I am a person with feelings second. I am a hater first. So I get you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the podcast. Um, this recording session that I did with Elise went on for about two hours. I want to say. Um, and there was just so much stuff in there where I was like, ah, this is really good stuff. But man, it's just not on topic and I don't have any time for it in the episode. So I thought I would give it to you guys as a bonus episode. Um, in other news, um, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago on the podcast, but I'll be starting up school again, which means I just frankly won't have enough time uh, to keep doing a podcast every week. Uh, considering the research and then the recording and then the editing process that goes into it. But I still want to bring these to you, so it'll be going on a bi-weekly basis. So next week, there will be no podcast. But the week after that, we will have a returning guest on the show, Alyssa Robertson of Bittersweethearts. Um, And we'll be doing a kind of profile on Morrissey. This is one of the things that I wanted to do uh, when I started the the show was be able to do a profile on different members of the band and then also maybe like contemporaries of the band. So maybe like one on The Cure or one on Depeche Mode or whatever. Um, but the first one that we'll do is Morrissey. Um, it makes sense as he's the frontman and lyricist for the band. So stay tuned for that episode next week. Um, I won't put up a... Um, 
a playlist, excuse me. I won't put up a playlist for this week, seeing as it's just a bonus episode. Um, but expect to come back in a couple of weeks for a lot of great songs. I'm actually just crazy excited to share with you some of the stuff I've been listening to. And so much of this Smith stuff that I've been researching and finding, especially to talk about Morrissey. Anyways, I love you guys and I appreciate all the support that you give to the show. And I will see you in just a couple of weeks. All right, bye.